Hey there, welcome to the show. Wow, can you believe it? We are already almost sort of kind of halfway through November. And uh, you know what? Obviously, weather's changing. You know, I'm not sure everybody's going to be running out for open houses. But you know what? It is still that time of year that people do talk real estate. And that's one of those things I'm going to be doing a lot of today. Um, just so you know, we've got a segment uh, that's coming up. I call it uh, Minutes with the Mayor. I've been doing it on and off for years. And I've had you know some of the greatest mayors uh, in Ontario on the show with me. And I actually have one returning. And uh, so the mayor of the city of Niagara Falls is actually coming back. Uh, mayor uh, Jim Diodati is going to be with me in studio. And, uh, you know, the really cool thing is, is that I actually had interviewed um, the mayor back probably just about a year into the pandemic. And, you know, what, what he did was he really did break down on how adversely um, Niagara Falls was being affected because, of course, you know, border town you know it's one of the it's probably the greatest tourist attraction in canada and so many people cross the border to to actually go to niagara falls niagara lake and that kind of thing so when i had the mayor on the last time he said look at you know our business is being really really adversely affected and of course um you know what we thought let's reach out to him and find out uh you know what kind of result uh you know that the city of Niagara Falls, how they've rebounded. So I'm going to be uh, really happy to have that uh, that segment of mayor, uh, you know minutes with the mayor because I've had it done over the years and love that segment. When you know I'm looking forward to to obviously interviewing him again and finding out hey what's going on in Niagara Falls. And you know speaking of what's going on, you know I'm so excited. Um, you know our recent seminar webinar probably one of the greatest successes we have had uh, in a seminar. And you know we had a packed house. We had an incredible webinar. You know, it was just what an incredible morning. We've never done a Saturday morning, and, and fortunately, we were able to do it. And I just want to thank everybody that attended. And, you know, originally I said, look, we're going to give away not one, but two down payments. And guess what happened? A little bit of computer glitch, and we ended up giving away three. That's right. Three down payments were given away. And I do want to congratulate all the winners. So lots, uh, lots of exciting stuff. And um, again, we still have that opportunity that we were kicking around with for that newest release. So if you want to go to thesimpleinvestor.com, find out more and, you know, really, really exciting things. So, you know, each, uh, each week when I do the show, I've got different listeners that will reach out to me and, you know, I'm going to say, I want to thank everybody for their feedback. And, you know, when we did the seminar, one of the things that I had was a lot of attendants came up to me and said, Todd, I listen to your show every single week. And I love your real estate rant. And, you know, I got to say, thank you. Um, here I thought I was just throwing a temper tantrum in the corner by myself and nobody really liked it. But you know what? I, uh, I have to say thank you because um, I'm, I'm very passionate about real estate. I'm very passionate about, you know, your rights as uh, real estate investors, um, you know, homeowners, everything. And, you know, this week's rant... I think, you know, I kind of have to take more of a general approach. And so, you know, here we go, because I got to get wound up for this one, because quite frankly, it's the number one pain in my neck, and it is the government. And yeah, I know everybody sits there and says, well, Todd, you lean this way, that way. No, I don't. I lean in the rights of the consumer, of the public, and the people that want to have both home ownership, investment ownership, 
the right to have a decent tenancy, the people that want a good roof over their head. And quite frankly, I am sick and tired of others getting in the way of that. And so I sit there thinking to myself, well, when did all this start? And you know what? It's always been there. I would love to blame the existing government because you know how I feel about them, and I'm pretty sure you have similar feelings. So I'm not going to really explore that right now, but we all get it, okay? Stuff makes grass grow. But in the big scheme of things, when did it all start? And it's been decades where it's the trickle effect where every form of government from all levels have been taking away from the public and making them pay more and more for real estate. So here's the thing. We can talk about development charges that have gone through the roof. And yeah, we've got some politicians right now in power that keep punishing people by saying, well, we're broke because we need more tax dollars. And I, you know, look at the existing mayor today doesn't have a clue about real estate but the only thing that she can think of doing is taxing and then of course it's the rich well it's the people that have properties that are worth more money so let's go after them because our inability to actually govern what we've been elected for we're going to put back on the consumer and you know when i started thinking about it i i actually went back kind of in files and things like that i went 20 30 40 years you know, everything from every form of government provincially, you have the NDP, the Liberals, Conservatives, of course, and then you take a look at, you know, right now, the Liberal and Conservatives, and not one of them, not one of them in the, in, in the past have actually turned around and delivered on any promise given. You know, this is my problem with, with uh, government officials. They turn around and they get elected on a promise. You know, there's actually only one, uh, you know, one or two leaders that have ever kept their promises. And some of them, it, it made no sense, the promise that they made, but they kept them. And I'm not going to mention any names because, you know, quite frankly, they're not much of a leader, but they kept one or two promises. And the promises were so easy to keep and they were so self-serving that in the end, it didn't help the public. It didn't help the people that got them elected. And isn't that really what the point of politicians are? Have they completely forgotten their purpose elected by the people for the people is that not what politicians do it's not give the people a fictitious idea of what we're going to do for them and not do it because that's how i feel that we ha that's happened over the last decades and decades and decades is there a politician that out there and you know what put up your hand Okay, for once, put up your hand and deliver what you promise and stop promising the moon you can't deliver. So for me, when I take a look at real estate and forget about investment real estate, forget about home ownership, just real estate in general, everybody has a right to own real estate. It doesn't matter what form it's in. If you want to own commercial real estate, you want to buy an investment property, if you want to own your own office, heck, there's lots of people that run their own business and thank goodness for the entrepreneurs in this world, okay? Thank goodness for the business owners. Thank goodness for the people that are trying to employ people because without them, you can forget about home ownership, you can forget about paying rents, and you can forget about anything because if we all just look to the government, there is no future in home ownership, jobs, security, anything. If we turn around and count that the government 
is the one that's going to, I don't know, pay us, take care of us, then we've lost the battle. It is up to us, the individual Canadian, to turn around and have the right to have home ownership, the right to have investment ownership, the right to be able to be a active tenant. You have the rights. The problem is, is that the government has made such a mess of everything that even the landlord tenant board, for example, okay, this is a complete, complete mess. And despite the fact that you have landlords that are putting a roof over somebody's head, the board will not address the fact that somebody doesn't pay rent. Okay. And then they turn around and they take forever to take any action. And finally, they're pushing landlords to the brink. Now, a lot of people are sitting there right now saying, yeah, but Todd, you're a landlord, you know, boo, hoo, hoo. No, it's not that. Well, who told anyone that you get to live for free under somebody else's roof? Okay. You can do that under the government if you want, but the government doesn't have enough roofs. Okay. And they don't know how to build them despite the fact they promised them. In today's world, as we watch Canada, okay, I have both admiration and pride and i also have a lot of disdain and you know i would say i'm upset because ultimately there was once upon a time i was a national athlete and i proudly wore the canadian flag on my back and i traveled all over the world and i held my head up exceptionally high because being a proud canadian all over the world was one of the things that gave me some of the greatest joy I skied in virtually every country and you know what? I was always told, oh, you're Canadian. You guys are wonderful. Okay. And this was years ago, obviously. And then today, when I take a look at what has happened to our country, what has been, you know, pushed down people's throats, you know, yes, there's nothing wrong with immigration, but what about Canadians? What about what's being, ha what's happening to Canada as a whole? We have to turn around and you know what? As Canadians, we can be strong, we can be independent, we can turn around, support each other, we can turn around, encourage business, independency, you know, what we can turn around and take a look, you know, at the people that are supporting us. We have to take care of our nurses, our firefighters, our doctors, our police officers, the people that are there to protect us, okay? All of this under one unified peace. But the one thing that pulls everybody together is a roof over their heads, okay? Everybody needs one. Why? And I have to ask this question multiple times. Why does the government continue to get in everybody's way? Let the builders build, get rid of the development charges, and guess what's going to happen? You're going to get more taxes than you ever will need. But you need to get out of everybody's way and let it happen. And unless we do that, this housing crisis, which is now becoming a shelter crisis, is only going to get worse. And at what detriment do we continue on this path? There is a solution. It's right in front of you. Okay. There are lots of companies that want to take care of this issue. It's about time that we let them. So when I come back, I'm going to have more. I'm going to be joined by the mayor of Niagara Falls. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. 
And welcome back. Um, as I mentioned uh, just before the break, my next guest joining me, uh, he's definitely no stranger to the political uh, arena. He's been actually on the show, um, in fact, during COVID. And uh, so this is my segment. I call it Minutes with the Mayor. And I'm very, very fortunate to have the mayor of Niagara Falls joining me, uh, Mayor Jim Diodati. And Mr. Mayor, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again, Todd. You know, real pleasure seeing you again. And, um, you know, one, one of the things that uh, I remember, you know, we were we were pretty, it was pretty intense when you and I last spoke. And um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how well Niagara Falls is bouncing back. Um, you know, when, when you and I last spoke, obviously border was closed. And uh, I remember going, going down just to, because I love going to Niagara Falls, of course, a fabulous city. And I remember going down and just after you and I spoke and it just, it, it, it felt like a ghost town. It was eerie. It was very eerie because, you know, typically we've got big crowds all over the city as Canada's number one leisure destination. We play host to 14 million people every year. And for a city of only a hundred thousand, 14 million, it's a real dichotomy and it makes for interesting dynamics. And to have the borders closed, all four international crossings to have the casinos closed, the hotels, the attractions. It was horrible. And considering 40,000 people count on tourism to feed their families, we essentially shut tourism down. And to shut down a massive industry like that for a city like Niagara Falls, it was no, there's no way to describe it other than devastating. So we were concerned. And of course, we didn't know if there was light at the end of the tunnel and if so, when and who was going to make it through. And of course, we tried to pivot constantly. And we tried to do, for example, things like offering takeout and expanding patios for restaurants. And some of those patios are still in play today. And as we say, necessity is the mother of invention. And we realized there were some great opportunities to add the offering. And people love that feel of a piazza or an outdoor area. It seems food and drink are always better outside if you can do it. But uh, but that was the bad news. The good news is that we've bounced back. As of last year, domestic tourism was back to pre-pandemic numbers. Our inter international visitation, which is largely led, of course, by the U.S., because we're within an eight-hour drive of half the population of North America. So that rubber tire market, the people that can drive here, make up a big chunk of our tourism. And we're back to about 80% of where that was. So we're well on our way back. Things are roaring. We learned a lot of things during the pandemic. And uh, I, I have to tell you, I hope we don't ever have to go through something like that. But the good news is we're back on our feet and we're more grateful for an industry that a lot of us took for granted. You know, uh, Mr. Mayor, when when I remember when we spoke, and you know, you've you've been very articulate, obviously, about wanting to encourage business and encourage, you know, housing and everything. You know, the city of Niagara Falls, obviously, huge hub for uh, a lot of visitors, but you know, it it also has the ability, I think, of you know, huge employment, and uh, you know, yes, we talk about tourism all the time. But one of the things that I think that um, maybe you and I can address today is a little bit of the housing crisis. I mean, you know, I know you're a huge advocate for being able to build. You know, you do uh, you do talk to the housing minister. You know, I know you've you've been on panels trying to encourage you know us to get some shovels in the ground. I got to tell you, this has been one of the hardest things to watch for the last few years. It's just this huge, uh, you know. Uh, issue that keeps arising. Where, you know, we got huge immigration and just no inventory. 
Well, you're exactly right. Uh, and I think, Todd, the real answer is they, they should put all three levels of government in a room and lock the door and don't <laughs> let us out. And on, and I mean that, don't let us out until we come up with an answer. And it's not that we don't have the answers. The problem is you can't make decisions in isolation. You can't have a, one level of government coming up with a solution when they're not the one to implement it. So, so it's not that complicated, really. It's a simple economic model of supply and demand. We need more supply because there's too much demand. And because of the demand and the supply issues, prices are through the roof. The value of a house, rentals, I mean... I can't get over what people are paying. Rents far north of what a mortgage would be if they could get the down payment, which seems to be the problem for a lot of people. So until we get more houses built and we get more supply, this problem's not going to go away. And with our population growing significantly, uh, we're not going to get ahead of it unless we've got a, a plan coordinated by all levels of government. So yeah, we know we're, we're the boots on the ground. We're the front, the front level. Um, you know, We're the guys that are dealing with the people right on the street. And, and we're the ones that do the permits and all that sort of stuff. But we need financial assistance from the higher levels of government, feds in the province. So, again, I, it's not complicated if we could all come together. Instead of just a top-down answer, I mean, and just here's a check, go fix it. Let's have a coordinated approach with all three levels. Like, it's, again, we've got a lot of smart people. We just got to put them all in the same room at the same time. Yeah. And, and, and I would imagine also when we talk about the private sector, because really, you know, I think the, the incentives that, you know, municipalities, provincial and federal government can offer, you're going to, you're going to enthuse some of the private builders. Cause you know, as far as, as far as the actual, um, you know, construction trade right now, we, we've got a declining population. You know, we've got an aged population right now. A lot of people are starting to retire that were some of the people that built Canada, you know, definitely Ontario. And when we take a look at the big picture, you know, as you mentioned, you know, you've got, you've got a lot of people immigrating, very, very low inventory. You know, I like the idea that, you know, we work more at the municipal level because we definitely need those people getting us the permits so we can move forward. I mean, we need drastic, you know, changes, I think, to be able to just get shovels in the ground. I mean, that's the most important thing. Yeah, so we work closely with the Construction Association. We're trying to get more trades, you know, more kids. You know, I'll tell you, a lot of kids, I don't think, appreciate the value of a trade. I mean, it won't be long. A plumber, an electrician, a drywaller, they're going to be making the money doctors are making because, again, it's going to go back to supply and demand. You know, Todd, I've had I've, I've had people call me and say, and, I'm, and of course, you know, you start with the mayor and then you call everywhere else. And I've had people call me and say, you know what, do you know a plumber? And and I can't get over They're calling the mayor's office to ask if I know a plumber. And and I think, and, I, and a lot of them are seniors, you know, they don't know how to use the internet. They don't know how to find uh, a plumber. But the demand now for skilled trade people, people that are going to build the houses and, and tackle the infrastructure, we need more of them. We need to get the schools pumping out more. We need uh, incentives from from the federal government, financial. Uh, we need help with zoning issues so we can expedite things from the province. And here at the, the city level, I think rather than giving punishments to development that doesn't happen, incentivize. Because these developers and builders, they will jump through hoops. If you leave a trail of of opportunity and incentives, they will take the incentives. Of course, it's like fishing. You know, you don't fish with a stick of dynamite. You put some bait on the hook and you draw it in, you know, but it seems we're just throwing dynamite seeing what comes to the surface and it doesn't work well. Right. So I think it's not, again, I keep going back. It's not that complicated. I don't know why we can't get everybody in the room. It's become a national international problem. There, there, there's issues. You see homeless people and, and you know, if it's not affordable for someone 
who's making a decent income. It's certainly not affordable for someone who's on social assistance. So it, it travels all the way down and, and it's becoming harder for everybody at all levels. So we got to get on top of this. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's interesting, Mr. Rear, that when, when, you know, you think about, you know, areas such as Niagara Falls, you know, you think, okay, well, you're kind of, you're kind of limited to development because you're right there, you know, you're, you're on the Niagara River, you're right there by the falls themselves, but you have a lot of potential for growth still internally um, in, in your city. We do, we do, Todd. And some of the unique advantages that we have here, I mean, we're right on the U.S. border, the biggest economy on the planet. We've got four international crossings. We've got a canal that goes right through the middle of our region. We've got rail that comes through with rail spurs to a lot of our uh, industrial bases. We've got all the opportunities. We also have an airport that a lot of people don't realize. When I tell people we have an airport, they say, we do? you know, And it's owned collectively by the city of Niagara Falls, the city of St. Catharines, and the town of Niagara on the lake. And we're the biggest population in Canada without regular daily scheduled flights. So when you look at places like Kelowna and what they've done with their airport, we realize how important this is and how if we can activate it, so many things people don't realize about that airport. For example, our runways, approximately the same size as Billy Bishop on Toronto Island. And some of the people don't realize that you can land a 737 there. I was standing on the tarmac last summer during the Canada Summer Games when 737s from Eastern Canada were dropping down with the athletes, the coaches, and the trainers. I said, oh my God, I couldn't believe you could do that. And they said, well, if we can. So, Mr. Rare, we're going to go to a quick break. But, folks, when we come back, I'm going to have more with Mayor Jim Diodati, and he is the mayor of Niagara Falls. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. So my guest joining me right now uh, for the Minutes with the Mayor is Mr. Jim Diodati. Mayor Jim Diodati is the mayor of Niagara Falls. And uh, Mr. Mayor, you know, great conversation so far. You know, you've really, I, I know that you're one of these people that rolls up your sleeves. You know, we've seen it. We know that you're you're trying to encourage both business and, of course, housing. You know, one of one of the dilemmas, and and of course, it's really come to the forefront when we talk about affordability. Things such as the Bank of Canada increasing rates, and I know a lot of people are kind of struggling. So we're seeing a little bit more people leaning to the rental market. Um, but you know, one of the things that I, I I try to tell people is I still think when you talk about location, the city of Niagara Falls has still got some affordability to it. I mean, your your proximity mm -hmm. to the GTA to Toronto proper. You know, when we take a look at affordability, I, I got to tell you, I'm still very enthused at your area. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. The farther you get from Toronto, the better the prices get. And when you follow the Golden Horseshoe around to Niagara Falls and then f take it farther south in Niagara, so along Lake Erie, uh, Fort Erie, um, Ridgeway, uh, Port Colborne, Wayne Fleet, the prices are really good, especially comparative. And I know everything's relative, but there's very good opportunities. We've got lots of land, lots of buildable land. And it's the quality of life here really is spectacular when you think about, of course, only 100,000 people. But because we get millions of people, we've got 130 wineries, great golf courses, shopping, dining, lots of job opportunities close to the border. If you like to travel, fly out of Buffalo, take in NFL. Uh, you can fly to Buffalo or NHL. You can go to Buffalo or Toronto. And of course, 
tickets to a game in Buffalo are significantly cheaper than trying, if you can even get them in Toronto. Uh, even uh, big Toronto fans, you know, December 21st, I think, is the next Toronto-Buffalo game. And uh, smart money is buying tickets in Buffalo. It's maybe a quarter of the price, and it's pleasant to go there. So here, too, the tender fruit belt. You know, I have to say, one of the things we used to love to do with the kids when they were young was go for a bike ride down the Niagara Parkway along the historic Niagara River and stop along the way at fruit stands where they're growing fruit right there and eat some fresh peaches or cherries or nectarines and then go into Niagara the lake and you can take in the theater. If you like the wineries or the craft breweries, we've got 130 wineries, world-class. 90% of Canada's ice wine is made right here in Niagara. Like there's just so many interesting, cool, neat things that you can do here. And yet you're just a stone throw. If you want to go to the big city, you can jump on the go train to get to Toronto, or, you know, you can drive up the QE. So definitely a lot of advantages to, to locating here in Niagara and price it's, we're still significantly lower than the rest of the global horseshoe. Yeah. No, I, I, I have to agree because again, you know, keeping our eyes in, you know, it's one of the things that as for us as a company, we're looking at development in, in the city of Niagara as well. We have other projects that we've done and, and, you know, it's a very, very exciting area. You know, one of, one of the draws um, that I also, you know, talk to people about is of course that you have a very nice, and I'll, I'll call it the aging population. So you got a lot of seniors that are drawn, you know, because you've got, you know, obviously Niagara on the lake there, Niagara Falls, everything about it. It's a big attraction uh, for people that, you know, are starting to think of downsizing. You know, you get the, you get the people coming out of the Toronto area. They still may be working just a couple of, days a week in Toronto and they'll commute because again, not just affordability, but just the, just the pleasantry of the, of the city. You're exactly right. People like to retire in Niagara uh, because of its southerly destination. It's a little sunnier, a little warmer. And again, as I, all the examples I gave earlier, we're close to the border. If you like to travel, uh, if you like to go to Florida, you're a snowbird. It's a lot easier flying out of Buffalo than it is out of Toronto. From my house, it's about a 35 minute uh, um, drive to Buffalo airport and the flights are more competitive. You get a lot of direct flights. You can fly out of Niagara Falls, New York, and there's some discount airlines where as low as 49 to $99, you can fly to Florida spirit air and some other lines. And I mean, if you want your money to go farther and a great quality of life, it's a real great place. And we're building, we just broke ground a few months ago on a, on a new uh, $3.6 billion hospital. That'll be in Niagara Falls, the South end. And it'll be a center of excellence with focus on a number of disciplines, including cardiac for, for heart and for seniors and aging population, it's going to specifically cater to that group. So somebody coming here feels comfort. There's a close by hospital that that'll be a brand new center of excellence. That'll be a research hospital that you can get those benefits. And on the other end, we're not content just to be a place to retire. Um, we're really grateful this January the first cohort of the University of Niagara Falls, Canada will begin. It's uh, part of a network, the Global University Systems Network, which is one of the biggest international universities in the world with more than 2 million students worldwide. And they've got medical schools and law schools and engineering schools. And we're going to be dealing with digital and data and emerging technologies here in Niagara Falls. So it's not going to duplicate or cannibalize what's going on at Brock or some of the other post-secondary institutions. But going to train students and attract and retain youth for jobs that might not have even been created. So we're really excited about that in our downtown. That'll help regentrify the downtown, which is 
uh, a stone's throw to the GO train station. So when you look at some of the, we've really planned out some of the next steps for the city to move forward. And we're excited. Yes, we're going to address all the aging population that are here and coming here. We're also working on the other end, attracting and retaining the youth. And when we get our downtown university up in the next six years, seven years, we'll be up to 15,000 students living in our downtown. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. And um, Mayor Dudati, I appreciate your time today. Great catching up with you, um, you know, after our last conversation. And it's great to see that, you know, you're in your fourth term. Uh, can we anticipate maybe a fifth from you? Is that is that going to be in the works? <laughs> well, ask, ask me in two years. We'll see. They might have pitchforks and torches waiting at City Hall to get me out of town. <laughs> well, listen, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show once again. And, and thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Todd. Thanks. Well, that was wonderful to have the mayor uh, on from Niagara Falls, Jim Daddy, And, uh, you know, great to hear that they are rebounding. And, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, as you heard in my rant before, you know, I, I we need people to get out of our ways and start building. And I'm going to tell you that um, Mary Dew Daddy, he is very pro-housing and he wants to make it happen. So, you know what? I look forward to seeing the evolution of Niagara Falls. And one of the important things, of course, is that, you know, attracting builders, attracting, you know, tradesmen, all the things that we need. And fortunately, he's got some colleges down there and hopefully the trades start getting stronger and stronger because we are definitely running out of those. And as we look towards the future, you know, building is going to be key. You know, it's not just about the economics. It's not just about builders making money. It's about, you know, making sure that we are supporting the public that we need to support. You know, we got a huge aging demographic. You know, we need to turn around and be concerned about where they're going to live safely, happily. There's so much to, to you know, look forward to. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say to, you know, all, all the other mayors in Ontario, you know, um, you know, maybe we take a page out of uh, Mayor Daddy's book. Uh, again, he is very positive about his area, as I know most mayors are, but very pro-build. You know, we've got to take a look and say, how do, how do we expedite this stuff? Let's stop getting in everybody's way. Let's make it happen because we need more, as we all know. And again, you know, great to have him on Minutes with a Bear. And of course, I will be bringing that segment back um, to some of my shows. And of course, uh, you know, you can catch us also on the Simple Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram, the Simple Investor One. You know, we're going to be continuing to talk about obviously real estate. You know, the benefit of owning real estate, where the market's going. You know, we're watching the the, the U.S. have some interesting times. Is it going to come north to of the border here? You know, National Association of Realtors um, got uh, nailed with a huge lawsuit, and uh, it was pretty scary. Out of Missouri there, um, the judge awarded $1.8 billion class action lawsuit against realtors for price fixing. And, I, you know, I don't know. Is that going to happen in Canada? I hope not. Uh, I hope that, you know, the standards of realtors, you know, are as high as when I once was a realtor, and, you know, hopefully they continue on and, you know, again, there's no such thing as price fixing. You can't do it and it's better not to. So again, we'll see. I'll keep you up to date on how that unfolds. But, um, you know, we had a gr such a great seminar webinar that I did ask my uh, producer, Ian Grant, to cut up some segments from last week's seminar. And uh, when we come back, we're, uh, we're going to take, uh, uh, take a listen to some of the clips from that exact seminar. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Hey, as I mentioned just before the break, um, 
our seminar webinar was such a success. I thought I would share it with some of our listeners who weren't with us. So uh, have a listen. I got to tell you, I am so excited about today. Everybody's here. It feels like a full house. Welcome. You know, one of the things that I love about real estate is it's one of those things that everybody can own. One of the things that we've been trying to focus on is keeping everything simple in the world of real estate. Let's start off by saying, other than winning a down payment, why are you actually here to a real estate seminar? I mean, obviously we know why most people are here. Generational wealth is one of the important things. Of course, security is one, but who owns investment property? So we know that there's a bunch of you that don't. A lot of people have to decide what is the reason? Yes, sir. Retirement. Retirement. That's a good one. What do you mean by retirement? I have a our plan is we, we already invested. You, you have like a, a system where you have, once you get to five, you can start pulling out equity and supplementing your own income. The gentleman mentioned that he's got a property, but when you get to five, you will then have the ability to start doing what we call leverage to live. You know, it's the magic of investment real estate. That's one of the main things. And thanks for sharing that with us. Anybody else? Yep. Steady, reliable cash flow. I like that idea. One of the most important things when we talk about investment real estate, of course, is the brick and mortar aspect of it, right? It's tangible. You can touch it. It's not like Bitcoin. It's not like a stock that could be fictitiously put up. You know, when you touch real estate and you know it can be a home to somebody, I think that's huge. Does anybody actually believe we're in a real estate bubble? And it's okay. I'm not going to pick on you if you do, but if you actually feel anybody here, nobody. We're not in a real estate bubble, despite the fact that there was a lot of indicators that said we should be, right? Because typically what real estate bubbles are, this massive increase, you have that crazy February of 22 and everybody goes, it's going to explode. No, but that's not what a real estate bubble truly is. Real estate bubble typically also has another component, inventory. Ooh, what don't we have in Canada? You know what I predict? A bounce. Does everybody believe in the next 12 or 18 months, we're gonna start seeing prices go back up again? Yeah. yeah, I think so. And one of the main reasons why I think we're gonna have a bounce, we're in unprecedented times. It's unbelievable where we're sitting today, especially as a country. You come out of a worldwide pandemic. We've got world wars happening all over the place, as we know. And on top of that, you've got mass immigration, you've got high interest rates. Nothing makes sense except real estate. No matter what, after every conflict, after every single recession, depression, everything that we've ever seen, the one most important thing to people is real estate. Forget about the stock market, forget about Bitcoin. Real estate is really the best time to buy right now. It's because what are you gonna do tomorrow when the prices start going up? You're gonna kick yourself, right? And if we're waiting for that perfect storm, when is the perfect storm? When is it going to be on the bottom? Who declares it's on the bottom? Well, I'll tell you where everybody declares it's on the bottom. It's because it's already on the way back up. What's the first 12 months of rise going to look like? Everybody remember September 2020. All of a sudden, you could smell the change coming, right? And then all of a sudden, what happened? 15% increase within six months, 20% increase within 18 months, within two years, 30, 40, 50% increase. People were just sitting there saying, what's going on? And it was because no inventory, huge demand pent up. So the world truly has changed. I've been doing this a long time. I've been hanging around in the real estate world for over 30 years. Even going through the 88 turndown, we took the 90s, if you take 08, you take a look at 20, 2017, everything that, and by the way, mostly government induced. And speaking of government, <laughs> you know, interest rates. 
Let's think about this logically. The Fed just paused, right, in the United States. They did the same threat. Bank of England paused. So we got a couple of major banks pausing, right? And now we're going to start feeling that everything is like kind of calm. Now, calm before the storm, or are we done done? One of the big things that people have to take a look at is the fact that we always talk about inflation. You heard the fact that they're going to be removing some of the carbon tax. If we remove for thee, what about me? And we've got some of these provinces that are going to struggle with this one because if they don't take it away for all of us, we should be a little angry. If you take away some of the carbon tax, inflation drops down, Bank of Canada is going to be more favorable to start dropping rates. So here's the thing, and I'm going to throw this out there. You can put me on record. And if I'm wrong, I will give each one of you another $1,000 okay, in December. You can come back and say, Todd, you were wrong, but I'll give you $1,000. But here's the thing. I believe we're done. What I don't think is that they're going to do a knee-jerk reaction and start dropping them. What I truly, truly believe is we could go as soon as May with the Bank of Canada coming down. I think that we are going to hit the toilet the first three months of the new year. I think 2024 is going to be very, very difficult. And the Bank of Canada is not going to have anything but to turn around and start lowering rates. But here's my problem with them. Does everybody remember the meetings where they turned around and they told you to borrow? Do you remember in 2020 and 2021, in the beginning, where everybody said, get back in the economy, spend money, right? They told us to spend. They said, no, 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 if we do increases, we're only going to do a little bit at a time. Do you remember that? How many people put in a pool, had their basement done? You know, how many people turned around and got a new car? In 21, we went through the roof because the Bank of Canada told us one thing, but you know what? As usual, they lied. What they didn't realize is how much money they printed and how it has an adverse effect and a trickle effect. Is there truly a problem in the real estate market? I don't think so. But we do have a problem in real estate. And it's not you and I. It's these guys. I don't know if you caught this clip last week. And my problem with that guy is when he comes out and he has the to say. One of the factors that is challenging for so many people is the commodification of housing. The fact that people are using homes and houses as an investment vehicle rather than families using them as a place to live, to grow their lives, to build equity for their future. People are using home as an investment vehicle. Duh. The one important thing everybody has to remember is that 40% of Canadians are going to rent. With the new immigrants coming in, you think they're buying? No, they have to rent. Now, you put enough people coming into Canada, we need more rental properties. But this guy is sitting there saying, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be allowed to do that. He continues on saying, Housing isn't a primary federal responsibility, uh, not something that we have direct carriage of. No, 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 no. We call him the Prime Minister, right? There's no way you and I just heard what we heard. And I'll be blunt as well. Housing isn't a primary federal responsibility. It's uh, not something that we have direct carriage of. Where I take exception to this is that we have to take a look ourselves. One of the reasons why I created The Simple Investor was because of you. You need to control your future. You need to be able to make sure that you've protected your family, the next generation, knowing that we are not reliant on government or companies for our pensions. I'm pretty sure everybody heard the nightmare about the CPP and how Alberta wants to remove themselves from the CPP and take their money. 
it basically collapses the rest of Canada's CPP. We are having a situation, and if people were counting on the CPP, that means that we're going to have a really tough time. And what happens when the government runs out of money? They either tax us for more or they give us less. But they never hold themselves accountable. With 40 million people in Canada, they keep saying that we need to boost our home building by 50%. We're not even going to be close with that. We have to boost our home building by 300%. We're nowhere near being able to keep up with the demand. CMHC, of course, which is, I consider them the government, Canadian Mortgage Housing Corporation, they turned around and said by 2030, about seven years from now, they want us to build 5.8 million homes. Does anybody know how many homes we build in Canada a year right now? Two and a quarter. 200? This year will be about 218,000 homes. Next year is going to be less because what happened? A lot of builders just said, hey, you know what? I'm not building. In fact, we watched 14,000 just come off the books here in Toronto alone. 14,000 when we normally only build about 40, 45. With the government turning around, and you had mentioned the claim of, of a billion. Fortunately, having my radio show the way I do, I was able to get the right people to talk. And the truth is they said, no, that number's wrong. We aren't reporting it correctly. When we take a look and we start breaking down how many people are coming into Canada this year alone, almost 2 million people are going to be coming into Canada to live. 2 million. And we're already at capacity with our rental market. Ask yourself one important question. Where are we going to live? And in the same breath, the government's telling you not to invest in real estate. Well, how are we going to build it if we don't have people invest in it? We need people to own this stuff. Well, I'll tell you, that was a whole lot of fun and really enjoyed it. Well, again, this is a wrap for this week. But of course, we'll be back next Sunday as usual. I want to thank my producers, Aiden, Omar, and Ian. And of course, thank you for making us the number one real estate talk show. I'll be back next Sunday at noon. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.